The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. 3,000 migrants have just crossed the Honduran-Guatemala border en route to the United States. President Trump threatened both countries yesterday with pulling all financial aid if the two countries don't do something to stop it. Every year, we give about $100 million in aid to Guatemala, with a good majority going to their military and security services. Over the last two years, we've given Honduras over $260 million. A vast majority goes to keep their military and security apparatus up and running. In short, if we stop writing these checks, both Honduran and Guatemalan governments are going to have some very big problems on their hand. It's such a big issue that the Honduran president made a public address to his country yesterday. The foreign ministry also made a statement saying uh, the government, quote, urges the Hondurans taking part in this irregular mobilization not to be used by a movement that is clearly political, end quote. Now, what does that mean? Well, it turns out that this caravan is different from the one coming from Mexico back in April. That previous caravan had serious backing in the form of manpower, organization, and money from George Soros. It was a strategic stunt. At that time, it dominated the media. That caravan was directed at causing waves here in the United States, but this current one is not directed to us at all. This is about the radical left-wing politics in Honduras. As the 3,000 migrants crossed into Guatemala, the Guatemala government detained one man. His name is Bartolo Fuentes. He is the organizer of this entire charade that, just like back in April, is beginning now to get massive coverage and even a tweet by President Trump. This is exactly what Fuentes and his merry band of leftists want. He's an ex-deputy of the Honduran Liberty and Refoundation Party. Their members are supporters of the former Honduran president that was ousted by the military in a coup back in 2009. Now, I want you to know, saying that they're leftists doesn't quite do it justice. They wanted to form a partnership with both Hugo Chavez and the Castros to create some sort of South American comet, uh, uh, communist mega alliance. The former president was ousted on the eve of a special election where he wanted to rewrite the Constitution to make sweeping changes. His followers, like this current caravan organizer, never forgot, and they've been staging political stunts ever since to try to undermine the more right-leaning, non-communist government. The use of these migrant caravans, I want you to know, is only going to get worse. Leftists like Soros, and even this group in Honduras, have no qualms at all with using men, women, and children in incredibly dangerous situations to further their Marxist policies. They don't care about these people. They are doing exactly the same thing that Hamas is doing with the Palestinians in Gaza. They want a showdown at the U.S. border. And you better believe that they want the cameras rolling when it happens. 
It's Wednesday, October 17th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So we have Bill O'Reilly coming up in about an hour. I'm going to be gone for the next couple of days. And and uh, Bill is uh, going to come in and give us uh, the rundown of the week so far. And we have a lot to discuss. One of them is Saudi Arabia. This story is just getting more and more bizarre. Let me bring you up to speed in case you don't know. The story started a couple of weeks ago with this idea that this Washington Post reporter is suddenly missing. Well, he's not a Washington Post uh, uh, reporter only. His name is Jamal Khashoggi, and uh, he is a Saudi Arabian citizen. He is also a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. His beef with Saudi Arabia in his own what he called self-imposed exile is all about the Saudis not befriending and not um, uh, not excusing the behavior of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Saudis are very clear that the Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization and not a friend to Saudi Arabia or really anyone in the world. So he went into self-imposed exile, uh, and he came here to the United States. Uh, there are claims that he is he was still a Muslim Brotherhood operative. There are also claims that he was feeding us information uh, 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 against the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm not sure which to believe at this point. So he's overseas, he's in Turkey, and he's going to get married, but he's been divorced to his wife in Saudi Arabia. For him to be able to get remarried, he has to have uh, a divorce certificate from Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabians say, well, you're going to have to come into the embassy to get it. Now, he is not a friend to the Saudi Arabian prince the one who has been this big reformer and he's going to, you know, take Saudi Arabia into the future and he's good for women and he's good for human rights and everything else. Khashoggi is not popular with that prince and that prince has not been popular with Khashoggi. He had been trying to get Khashoggi to come back to Saudi Arabia, but Khashoggi knew that would probably be a death sentence to me. He takes his fiance. they get into a car, and they uh, drive up to the embassy, the Saudi embassy in Istanbul. He says, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get the paperwork. They're expecting me. I'll be right back out. Wait for me. So she did. Hours pass. She starts to call the embassy. She calls his phone. No answer. Nothing. As it turns out... Uh, Saudi Arabia first denied that any of this happened, um, but uh, we now know that they are about to admit. We don't know to what extent, uh, but it looks as though he was interrogated, tortured, and killed. He was then hacked into pieces and thrown onto a Saudi plane in suitcases and what happened from there, we don't know. Now, there's an additional update today. We have our Secretary of State over in Saudi Arabia meeting with the king and the crown prince, who are now saying privately that, yes, this was just somebody who went rogue. 
but it's kind of hard to believe. The new information today now is is coming from Turkey, so we don't know if this is true or not. There were two stories. Uh, One, the United States came out pretty quickly uh, last week when this story broke and said, we have evidence that this was ordered by Saudi Arabia and he is dead. Um, But they never released where that came from. They just released that this was uh, U.S. intelligence sources say. That was the first Nick. Then uh, the Turks came out and said that they had audio and videotape of this man's interrogation, torture, and killing. I don't know if they do. There is a possibility that they have microwave technology that could listen if the Saudi embassy was not uh, prepared to deal with that kind of surveillance. You can get that kind of uh, audio from inside of a building. But there's also another story that this actually audio arrived first with his fiance because he had an Apple watch. And when he went in, he turned it on and it recorded. And when it finished recording, it just uploaded to the cloud and downloaded to her phone. I hope to God that's not true for her sake. I can't imagine, especially since we now are getting the story that this audio that we don't know yet if it's, if it exists includes his interrogation uh, and then uh, the the executioners come in and the uh, head of the embassy said, you can't kill him. You can't kill him in here or I'm going to get into trouble. And the what's described as the pathologist uh, from Saudi Arabia, the guy who was in charge of killing and disposing of the body, apparently said to the head of the embassy, uh, if you want to live, you need to get out of here right now. Otherwise, you're next. They knocked Khashoggi unconscious, and he was unconscious for a while. Then you hear them apparently starting to get all of the tools and everything ready and the room ready to uh, start to chop him up. He is still alive when they are dismembering him, and apparently it is a gruesome, gruesome tape. We, again, don't know if that is true. This may be an Archduke Ferdinand moment down the road. This may be the thing that sets the world on fire that doesn't seem like the thing that could set the world on fire. But Saudi Arabia is our ally. We are currently fighting the war on terror with Saudi Arabia. We're currently fighting a proxy war with Saudi Arabia in Yemen Um, We are getting ready to sell billions of dollars worth of war machinery to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is quietly supportive of of uh, Israel now in the Middle East and are taking strong stands to support Israel. 
They are also uh, an ally with us against Iran. They are a balance of power. If this tape exists and this tape comes out, we have all known that Saudi Arabia is a bad place, but we have not heard the screams. If this tape exists and comes out, people of the world will forever think of Saudi Arabia and put them in the same class as Stalin, as Hitler, as Mao, or as Kim Jong-un uh, in, in uh, North Korea. But we remember North Korea's crimes we only have sketches of. If this tape exists and comes out, it's a game changer that could destabilize everything. We'll go back into this story in a second. First, let me tell you our sponsor is 1-800-Flowers.com. The first roses of autumn have arrived now. 1-800-Flowers.com. They're beautiful roses. They're in shades of red, orange, and yellow. They're radiant. You'll, the, the best flowers you'll see all year are, are being picked right now. Autumn roses from 1-800-Flowers. The best way to brighten the day for your friends, your loved ones, your wife. Right now, 1-800-Flowers has 36 for 36. 36 autumn roses for $36. That's a dollar per rose. Um, beautiful arrangements in fall red, orange, and yellow. Perfect for birthdays, anniversaries, uh, good for the uh, upcoming holidays. You know, also, you know, not bad for screw-ups. They're picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure their freshness. It's 36 autumn roses for $36. Call now, 1-800-Flowers, or go to 1-800-Flowers.com, 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio uh, microphone or icon and enter the promo code B-E-C-K. You'll get the 36 for 36. 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code Beck. This offer, you better hurry, it ends Friday. So... The Saudi Arabia thing is a mess, but we don't know anything for sure um, because we don't have the evidence. Now, maybe the United States has the evidence. The president has the evidence. I don't know. It's all coming from Turkey. And Turkey is motivated to destroy Saudi Arabia, possibly to destroy the West, if you want to look at that. They're looking to build a caliphate. But they also may be playing another game to get closer to the United States. Yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made. Uh, they've released this uh, uh, pastor recently, and they want to maybe send the signal, hey, these guys you're dealing with in Saudi Arabia, they're, they're bad. You should be dealing with us more. You should be selling us arms. You should be working with us more closely. And they're trying to ingratiate themselves to the United States at, at the expense, more specifically, at the expense of Saudi Arabia, uh, because they, they don't like that the closeness of that relationship. Uh, there's an argument to be made there. I mean, I think a lot of this is you have to take when you have two countries that really disagree with each other and don't like each other, you have to take the reports coming out of Turkey with some level of a grain of salt. I mean, you have to, we, we need more evidence than there. We, there's a tape. If there's a tape that at least are, we don't need to hear it necessarily. Porter, uh, somewhere who with some credibility needs to hear them and confirm that they exist. Cause we've heard a lot of details about what is on this tape, but we have not obviously. See, if I were Erdogan, I would not release the tape. If I had it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't release it yet. I would let Saudi Arabia play this all out. Because remember, 
Last week, it was, no, this is crazy. This is conspiracy. This yeah. is nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems that they are uh, saying, yeah, those things happen. So now let's see Saudi Arabia. But again, we still, we that's all sources, too. We still, I know. They I have know, not come out and said, I know. oh, this is a rogue thing that went wrong or an interrogation that went wrong. There are reports through CNN that they're going to say that. Right. But they haven't actually said it yet. And we don't know where that is coming from yet. Yeah, I will say that there's no there's no need for us to rush uh, to judgment here. No. And I know like people are bashing Trump because he kind of said, well, well, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a guilty until proven innocent. Well, first of all, we should get evidence. <laughs> if we've learned any, everything over international relations over the past 20 years is we should make deal. sure we have these things right. Yes. There's also, it's not an imminent, it's not like, okay, it's weapons of mass destruction, for example, to use one that works in this context, where, where we could be facing an imminent threat of, you know, a bomb going off in a place that kills a lot of people that, you know, we may be able to stop. This is, if this is, this is a prosecution of a crime. Right. Mm -hmm. In our eyes. And if if they have actually killed this person, they need to be held responsible. However, we don't need to make that decision tomorrow. No, we need to make sure that we get it right. We need to actually figure out all the dynamics going on. Just because this is a media phenom today does not mean we need to make a decision today. We just have to make sure we actually take it seriously and look at the facts. Only a media phenom because it involved a reporter. Yeah, and, and and the story is so dramatic. As you point out, what was it? Uh, it wasn't the a first Hitchcock movie. Yeah, right. Rear Window. Right, Rear Window. I mean, it, you know, it's such a dramatic Hollywood-type crazy 24, uh, you know, Jack Ryan story that y- you wonder. I mean, it, it's capturing our attention, which is is okay. It's just that we have to make sure we're looking at where this stuff is coming from. Right now, it's coming from people with incentive to make Saudi Arabia look bad. My guess is... Because I think Saudi Arabia, they're not our friends. They've done a lot of really bad things. Um, this prince, look, I mean, remember, this prince took his own you know, family members and other princes hostage in a hotel and likely uh, uh, stole tons of their wealth, including planes. And these specific planes are the ones accused of flying in and taking the remains out in suitcases. So these are the planes the prince confiscated from other family members. <laughs> I mean, as he held them, you know, in a you know Ritz Carlton prison. So it's a, a legitimate worry that this guy is an absolute Kim Jong Un style maniac. And if that's happening with Saudi Arabia, it's a lot worse than it's happening, you know, in North Korea in a lot of ways. I mean, we already have a relationship with Saudi Arabia. They're very influential in that region. We know they do this stuff. But we know this stuff goes on in this region already. And we deal with all these countries that that do it. Right. But we just have to make sure that uh, there's no reason to feel pressure to not go through an intelligence you know full look at this before you start making public proclamations and you better take this tape seriously because if i were holding the tape i would hold it until i see exactly how the united states and saudi arabia kind of finagled around and calmed everybody down and then when everybody says okay this is over and they're not such bad guys and this was a mistake that's when i dump the tape if they don't do what you want them to do if you're turkey that's when you dump you dump the tape because it's that that destroys the what credibility Saudi Arabia has ever had. And with me, they've had very little. They're not friends of ours. They are not friends of ours. They are selling us crap that quite honestly, I live in Texas. We don't need it. We don't need it. Open up the fields here in Texas. Start pumping again and bring the price of oil down. And let's get off of Saudi Arabia. We don't 
need it. But we'll watch this closely. Uh, It's a ticking time bomb. Back in a sec. A new poll finds that among entertainers, which is an interesting word for this, the most divisive celebrities in America, the, the, the number one, I don't think you'd ever guess, uh, number two uh, was Sean Hannity. Number three, Rush Limbaugh. I don't put them in the entertainer's role, but then Ellen, LeBron James. Ellen is divisive. I mean, I know. That seems like not hmm. a divisive character. Um, Jay-Z, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, and George Clooney. What? Yeah. That's a weird list. Uh, well, who's number one? Uh, Beyonce. That's really weird. Is she, that based on her Super Bowl performance? I don't even know. Where she sort of celebrated the Black Panthers. Is that maybe? I maybe. Know. I mean, haven't we got over that? Yeah. I mean, mm. I mean, we've had a lot of other things that we've had to worry about since then. Interestingly, missing from that list, which you would have once always been on, is it Glenn Beck? Yeah. Well, I'm. Hmm. I'm uh, I'm I'm not in that people, world anymore. Right. I do think people have united right. in dislike for Glenn. I think that's something that's happened. <laughs> wait, hold on. I know just it's happened in this wait a minute. Room, but I mean, yes. I think it's happened across wait America. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, welcome to the uh, program, Mr. Pat Gray, who now Thank does uh, mornings on the Blaze Radio Network, mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Dace uh, is doing the show immediately following this one. Steve is uh, on loan from CRTV. Uh, and we're pleased to have him. He's really, really good and really smart. And uh, Pat, of course, is, I think, the best morning man in, in America. So don't miss him. Uh, every you're morning. only saying that because it's true. So that's well, I was true. actually being humble. I was mm-hmm. counting myself out uh, this particular time because that's the kind of guy mm-hmm. I am. That's so humble. Generous. Anyway, thank you. So, uh, Pat, welcome mm-hmm. to the program. Did you, you watch Cruz and Beto last night? Yeah, it was not. Uh, it was fun. Riveting. It was riveting and fun. I think they're really going after each other. I, th- I think these two guys genuinely dislike each other, and I know I dislike one of them a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder which one. <laughs> Can you guess? Yeah. Well, you're Irish. It starts in B and ends in Edo. <laughs> Interestingly, you uh, don't seem to like the one who is uh, the white mm-hmm. dude, and you like the Hispanic. Isn't that in race, interesting? Which that, is yes. not consistent with your fascinating. Did you notice too that he's his name? is actually going to appear as just Beto, well, Beto O'Rourke, on the ballot. But that's it's not going to be Robert Francis Beto. In, it is unbelievable. Well, no, wait, not a minute, his wait, name. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Neither, it's not his is, name. neither is Ted. I know, but please. What is it, Raphael? Yes. You know, it's funny. I think, like, it, Raph, I think that with the, with the quotes, it's, it's an easy way to do it, right? Like, Raphael, yeah. Ted, quote, Ted Cruz is fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, you yes. Know, Beto but, is a nickname, though. It is a nickname. Beto I just don't. Nickname. I don't buy that it's been his since he was five. Maybe Did anybody buy that? Maybe he's from El Paso. Maybe I Maybe. thought it was a. It was when he was a teenager he got that nickname. No. Well, it, when he appeared on, we play this audio all the time on Pack Ray Unleashed. But when he appeared on the El Paso TV sh- morning show mm-hmm. back in, I think it was ninety two or ninety three, and he was with his punk rock band. They called him Bob. They called him Bob there. So. I I don't know that it was even he even had it then because uh, the the host didn't refer to him that way at all and he didn't correct him so I don't know I don't know what's interesting is Ted changed or, or used the name Ted uh, 
to you know to to be more i guess american if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. also i think to separate himself from his father raphael mm-hmm. um but it, that came mm-hmm. that came really early yeah uh, and here's mm-hmm. an irish guy it changes trying his name. to identify as hispanic yeah trying to be more mm-hmm. hispanic it's, he, it's he, crazy he also went so far as back in 2012 try he tried to uh join the hispanic caucus in the congress and they said, no, <laughs> he did not. He did. Yeah. He tried to get into the Hispanic caucus because uh, some of the El Paso residents, his district is 77% Hispanic. So some of the residents were upset that Sylvester Reyes was no longer going to be in the pretty powerful Hispanic caucus. So he tried to join it. They're like, mm, no, the nickname's not enough. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I Aww. mean, if we go yeah. to the intersectionality of uh, Beto, uh, nobody's intersecting him. No. Nobody's intersecting him. No. He is still at the top of the hierarchy and the patriarchy pyramid. I have to think one of my favorite parts of the debate last night was when Beto tried to make this case that every decision Ted Cruz <clears throat> makes is about money. So, like, he supports the Second Amendment, mm. and that's because of the NRA, and he supports oh, this cause. And it's like, you're, you've are you brought in $38 million of right. donations. Right. You are outraising Cruz by, what, four to one, five mm-hmm. to one? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, as Cruz pointed out, he's had plenty of special interest money come in. It's just coming in through other names. It's coming in through PACs that he, quote-unquote, doesn't control, which we all know how that game goes. I mean, the idea that you're going to come out and make an, a money, an argument about how Ted Cruz is about money when the entire story arc of Beto is based on the fact that he can raise money well. He's not competitive in this race. He, he has never accomplished anything. Now. Yeah, they, He's, know, He is only in the race to run for 2020. But if he loses, how, is he, how does he run for 2020? I, I don't he know, but to, they're still talking about him. They are, Even oh, Robert yeah, no, De Niro was talking about yeah, him. Oh, as, no. he, is, he, is the, he is their John he's F. The Kennedy. He's the great Democrat hope yeah, right now. And uh, may I say the great white, white hope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been fascinating to watch this. Um, he also tried to uh, pin Ted up against Donald Trump since they have the big rally coming up. What is it next Wednesday or Thursday in mm-hmm. Houston? And by calling him Lion Ted, like mm-hmm. like Trump did. And he said that's why the president called him Lion Ted, and it's why his nickname stuck, because it's true. Which has never... It's never stuck, and it's it's, never true. It's never stuck. It's never been true. And what prompted him to say that about uh, Beto was that he had voted for a bill that would raise the price of oil 24 cents a gallon to put a $10 surcharge on every barrel of oil, which would raise the price about 24 cents. The price of gas. The price of gas, yes. So uh, Beto said that was untrue, but he voted against a bill that would have stopped that bill. So it really is true that he did. But they they can both kind of claim that they have the truth on their side in that particular case. Um, But it was interesting to me because CNN fact-checked Beto on some things that he's been lying about during the campaign, one being... That his mother's a lifelong Republican. I love this. Lifelong Republican. Right. But now, you know, because he's so wonderful and he's so uniting. Yeah. She's going to vote for him. For the first time. For the first time. She's a life. That is long something. First of all, 
your mom is going to vote for you? Wow. <laughs> That's what a revelation. Wow. You got your mom to vote for you? Right. And and help me out, Pat, because I think CNN even looked into this one. They sure did. Yeah. And yeah. They he find- voted for a hardcore Republican named uh, Barack Obama in 2008. Oh, right. Barry she Obama? Went- yeah, no, yeah. Now yeah. here, Barry. <laughs> Barry. <Yeah. Bell. laughs> okay, so here's the interesting thing. I love this part of the expose from CNN, and she can't remember who who she, <laughs> who she voted for in 2016. Wait, you remember ten years ago, but not two. <laughs> Weird. Really, you don't know who you voted for. You, you know, she and voted I, for Hillary and just didn't want to say it. Didn't want to say it. She couldn't if she voted for if she voted for Trump, it would work to his advantage. Yeah. She yeah. was she was there. She Probably was part true. of the Trump thing. Yeah. You know, she wanted change. She wanted right. this. It right. would have worked. Right. So but you can't she voted, use that. She voted for Obama in 08. This, this lifelong Republican. And then she can't remember in 16. The other interesting aspect is that this lifelong Republican has voted in every single Democratic primary in Texas since 2000. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And even went so far as donating money to the Obama campaign in 07. I, I love this oh, from uh, the Federalist on this, too. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I know a lot about Beto. But at the same time, I don't know much about Senate candidate Josh Hawley, who is 38 years old, meaning, you know, around eight years younger than rising star Beto, the attorney general of Missouri and the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate. What I do know is that Hawley is slightly leading McCaskill, a two time incumbent in the in the mm. average poll in a race that could decide which party controls the Senate. O'Rourke, who's up against Ted Cruz, an incumbent, is down seven points and falling. It wouldn't be completely surprising if Cruz ends up winning Texas by nearly the same margin he did in 2012. As, as with Hawley, I didn't know much about Arizona's GOP Senate uh, nominee, Martha McSally, either. I'm probably not alone. She didn't get to kibitz with Stephen Colbert or Ellen DeGeneres. Maybe if she used a nickname she was g- given to her as a teen, she would be, have a better luck getting attention from the national media. Anyway, what could one of the highest-ranking female pilots in the history of the Air Force and first woman pilot on a combat mission possibly have to offer oh to Colbert's audience? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Get her on the air. Awesome, I want right? to talk to her on the air. I mean, wow. she, after all, Beto did skateboard through a Whataburger parking yes. lot. Um, McSally, by the way, also has a chance to win. I think she's going to win in Arizona. Um, I think she has a really good chance. That's another really tight race. I would also bring up John James into this conversation. We've talked to him before. He's a, a Senate candidate uh, with a great military background oh, yeah. in Michigan. Yeah. He's got a much tougher race, but he's another great story. These guys get no attention, but Beto, because I don't know, he's, he's I guess, a good looking guy and he's, you know, he's got neck muscles. He's got neck yeah. muscles. He's very shiny. As you may have noticed in the debate, I mean, a real, he's almost like his Something face has a mirror shiny. painted onto it. It was so shiny. He's last new and night. shiny. He's new and shiny. And I guess look, that's what we want. look at the shiny thing. Look at the shiny thing. Glenn Beck Mercury. Welcome back to the program. Uh, we want to remind you that we are out and about. We are coming to a city near you, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be happening right around election time. And we have some uh, 2020, um, you know, election suggestions. I'm just, I'm just, because I'm a helper. I'm a helper. Stu, you're a helper. And we just want to help the uh, Democratic Socialist out. 
we've got some extra spending maybe that they could consider some slogans I don't necessarily think extra spending is possible uh, uh, compared well, we'll, to what they're supporting we're going to do the proposing, math uh, but we're we going to do try. the math i don't okay. think they've taken every dime that's yeah. true. It's, yeah, it I would mean, be difficult to find more to spend right. or different ways to spend them. Yes. Remember Brewster's Millions? Remember this uh, classic documentary <laughs> yes. uh, from the 1980s in which uh, Richard Pryor was forced to spend $30 million in 30 days. And if he did so successfully from a from a inheritance, mm-hmm. he would receive the full inheritance of $300 million. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an important moment uh, in our culture. Um, but it was difficult because he couldn't take any assets. So he couldn't buy a $30 million car, right? right? He had to have zero assets at the end of it. And the idea was kind of like the thing where you do with your kids where you, uh, you know, don't actually do this, but like in the legend of like, you have your kids smoke three packs of cigarettes, you get sick and never wants to smoke another cigarette. Right. Right. Um, so that's kind of the idea. Make sure you get sick of spending money. So you're good with money from then on was the idea in the mm-hmm. movie, in the documentary. Um, but how did he wind up actually, and this is a spoiler alert from 1983, but how did he uh, wind up spending all the money? He decided to run a political campaign. It was the easiest way to get rid of all of the money at so once. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, this is kind of at the aspect where the, uh, the, the Democrats are, which is, can they figure out another way to spend money? We may even do a little Brewster's Millions uh, where you come up on stage and you are a, a Democratic Socialist <laughs> and you have to spend $60 trillion. It's can harder, you do it? It's harder than it's, you think. It is harder than you think. Can you do it? The, the, the socialists already have, but can you do it? It's very difficult. Right. It's very difficult. Right. So, yeah, we're going to go over that on mm-hmm. the tour. Glenbeck.com slash tour is yeah. the place to go, by the way, to get the tickets. Grab your tickets. Um, Bill O'Reilly's coming up in just a few minutes, and we have a lot to, uh, to talk to him about. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Minnesota's Democratic former uh, or sorry, Farmer Labor Party uh, this uh, this this weekend, uh, this last weekend said Republicans should be brought to the guillotine on November 7th. That's uh, that's OK, though. That's 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 so, that's not as bad as saying you want to target a district to take it. Right. Over, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The guillotine is, I mean, you know, that's common language. People always say that. Ah, bring a guillotine. We get time. We put those, you know, whoever into a guillotine. Now, I assume, mm-hmm. I hate to say this, but I assume mm-hmm. they're not actually building guillotines to put Republicans in. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% I, sure I'm not sure at this anymore. point. I, um, I think, I, I do think Antifa, you know. Could be talked into it pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Antifa probably could. Yeah. Uh, Roger Williams, uh, the congressman, pointed this out in an op-ed he wrote for the Dallas Morning News, talking about how he was, uh, I don't know, on a baseball field being shot at hmm. um, and kind of remembers that and, and is maybe not so uh, positive on this new Democratic um, uh, way of thinking where they're saying, uh, Eric Holder, when Republicans go low, we kick them. Um, Cory Booker says, get up in the face of Congress people. Maxine Waters, uh, harass members of the Trump administration. Hillary Clinton, we cannot be civil. Uh, all of these things are, are, are maybe a little bit more impactful to someone who was being shot at by a Bernie Sanders volunteer uh, on a baseball field mm. and watching Steve Scalise almost be killed. Yeah, but what's, wor- but what's worth those things, the guillotine or horse face? Seriously, what's worse? Wow, that's a great I point. I mean, one of those things deserves... What? 24-7 coverage. Oh, I know which one it is. Which I know. It's definitely the one that's on Twitter. Right. It's, um, yeah, it's horse face. It's, it's horse definitely got to be horse face. It's a much more uh, serious issue. And we all know that, you know, saying horse face, you know what I'm saying? 
It's. I mean, I mean, the question is, what's worse, horse face or the Rwandan genocide? I'm on the fence on that part of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> They're so close right. and deserve the equal amount of coverage. By the way, right. horse face will get more coverage than the Rwandan genocide ever did. Yes, that's, yes it that already is, has. Yeah, it already it has. It already in, has. In two days. And funny, uh, I believe horse face may have already beaten the baseball shooting yeah. coverage as well. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Glenn Back. Let me give you a little science fiction. Imagine a world where Hillary Clinton was elected president. A lot would change. Longtime Clinton friend Harvey Weinstein, uh, Harvey Weinstein probably would still have his career as a powerful Hollywood producer because there would be no Me Too movement. In fact, Malia Obama would still be working as an intern for Weinstein. There's no Women's March, no Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. The left goes about each day just as smug and self-righteous, badgering the subhuman scum that voted for Donald Trump. President Clinton is a domineering president. She continues her rhetoric about deplorables, further alienating large swaths of the country. People have hoped for a different future, but they're not, their lives now are just an object of ridicule. There's no more weekly protests, no riots, nothing like the circus on television. And slowly, America rots to its core. And women everywhere have to take orders from a woman who repeatedly defends her husband who, well, you know. Thankfully, that's not the way things went. In fact... Uh, they've gone a way that I don't think any of us really could have even imagined. They've gone very differently. And Vox recently posted an article titled Hillary Clinton's defense of Bill Clinton is why women don't come forward. Now, if you're Hillary Clinton, you know things are bad when Vox is turning on you. Everyone is turning their back on her. She's really like a plague, a curse. Uh, she's like, you know, the return of polio that it was like, wait, what's happening? We got to stop that. The Vox article opens with a very telling lie uh, line. The rise of the hashtag me Too movement has prompted many politicians and public figures to reexamine President Bill Clinton's relationship with Monica Lewinsky. What? But Monica Lewinsky is not the one. Now, this is a reference to the recent backlash that Hillary has faced after unequivocally saying that her husband was right not to resign during the Lewinsky scandal. She then took it further, claiming that the relationship between then President Clinton and Monica Lewinsky was not an abuse of power. Well, wait a minute. I thought that's what everyone is supposed to believe, that if you are if you are not aged or you're not on the same power structure, well, then it's abuse. And I also thought we were all supposed to believe all women. Isn't that what the protest signs say? Am I, do I need new glasses? In the Me Too era, it's slowly coming out that one of the greatest villains is the woman who is very nearly the president of this country. She typifies everything that feminism decries. As the Vox article con- concludes, Hillary Clinton will always have a place in feminist history. Really? But when history of Me Too is written, she may be remembered as someone who supported women until their words hit too close to home. So no matter how bad you think things are, just remember one thing. That was science fiction. It could have been much, much worse. 
It's Wednesday, October 17th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Bill O'Reilly joins us. Uh, today's not going to be with us on uh, Friday. Um, Bill, I, I don't know why the left is, is trying to make a hero now out of uh, Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky, let her get on with her life for the love of Pete. The one that really needs to be reexamined is Juanita Broderick. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's a bigger picture. First of all, Beck, I'm addicted to outrage like you are. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> just addicted to outrage. outrage. Yes, I know, I know. The bigger picture here is this. Um, the Democratic Party is confused now. They don't know what to do, all right? Um, Juanita Broderick claimed that Bill Clinton tried to rape her. The press never in a million years is going to give that allegation any exposure at all. None. It's not going to happen. So you could talk about it. I could talk about whatever. She had much more. I mean, she was credible. She was okay, credible. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to get back into it. Um, and they didn't report it when it happened. Okay, so all. but why are they then getting into the Monica Lewinsky thing? Because they have to at least acknowledge that Hillary Clinton, beyond all rationality, is, is putting herself out there in these positions where she has to relitigate this stuff. Now, the reason she's doing it is she wants to remain relevant so she can run again for president. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Come on. Come on, really? You know, Beck, I'm, I'm you really you, think... you know that I'm the most brilliant political analyst in the country. No, I don't know. I am telling you that she wants to run again for president in two. No, I know she wants to run. Do yes. you really think she will? It depends. Depends a lot on Biden. It depends a lot on um, whether she feels that the field against her is weak, which it is. It's absolutely weak. But the bigger picture is that the Democratic Party doesn't know what to do with Bill and Hillary Clinton. They don't know what to do with them. All right. So Bill Clinton and Hillary are going on a road and, and, and talk to their devoted supporters. This isn't an accident. This is a, is a trial. I mean, to see how many people show up, how enthusiastic they are. Uh, Bill will say, look, when I was president, we did all this. And Hillary was a great uh, first lady, and she did all this. And then she was a great senator, and she was a great secretary of state. That's what this is. It's ginning it up across the country to see how it's going to fly. But if you think Hillary Clinton is just going to go away quietly into the night, she's not. She wants to be president. And she realizes that the Democratic field, as it stands now, is extremely weak. Who's going to vote for Elizabeth Warren? I mean, that... Uh, Not the American Cherokee thing, people. <laughs> no, that, that crushed her. Yeah, it's horrible. It crushed her. The Boston Globe thought it was doing her a favor by saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, she got a little bit of blood in there. And then the Cherokee Nation, the Cherokees themselves... Kim Anderson, knock it off, will you? She's not Cherokee. Um, this is a, a total ruse and fraud. Knock it off. The Cherokee Indians themselves. It's crazy. Okay? And Warren used that ruse, as I say in my message of the day on BillOReilly.com today, <clears throat> used the ruse to advance her career in academia. So 
And this is a woman who thinks she's going to win an election? She's not. Only in Massachusetts and maybe in Oregon, you know, these states, that she could get into the Senate. But as a national viable candidate, no way. Bill, so, as the nation's uh, number one political strategist, uh, <laughs> do you? Because how could she come out with this whole thing, Elizabeth Warren, without having someone on record from the Cherokee Nation to support her? I mean, she, how did she, she not does. see this coming? She, she has her grandmother who once told her when she was three <laughs> that she had high cheekbones, and that's because way, 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 way back. Um, uh, she was a Cherokee. It just so doesn't. Her grandmother, it? you know, was a source of all of this. But look, um, getting back to to Beck's uh, Hillary Clinton scenario, um, Hillary Clinton is a woman who is obsessed. Oh yeah. All right. She, no, she... doesn't fit into the Me Too movement. Uh-huh. Obviously, she doesn't fit in there because she has her husband. Um, and she doesn't fit into the far left, even though she panders to them all the time, because she's basically she's the system. Yeah, she's a system, uh, a Paul, what they call in New York. She's a Paul. So but she she and her husband and I spent um, I was at the Yankee game and I I talked to Bill Clinton about 20 minutes, uh, as I mentioned to you last time I was on. she and her husband say, you know what? They may not like us, they being the Democratic voters, but we're so much better than what is up there now. I mean, Michael Bloomberg is going to run for president on a Democratic ticket. And, you know, outside of New York, nobody knows who Bloomberg is. Very smart guy, by the way. Extremely intelligent. All right. But he doesn't really have much of a chance, but he's got a lot of dough. He's got a lot of money, and he'll be in there. But other than that, you tell me, if Biden doesn't go, and Biden, I think, is going to be 98 years old next year. I, I'm, I don't know. He's, he's an older senior citizen. I, I will tell you this, Bill. You know who I think is positioning for a run? And I don't think in 2020, but I think 2024. I don't think it's going to be Hillary Clinton that will be the first first lady that becomes president. I think it could be Michelle Obama. Maybe. I, I'm not sure whether Michelle Obama has the drive, but certainly she would be formidable and then there's barack and it's it's the reverse you know Mm -hmm. but they're they don't have the resume i mean the obamas if you even if you don't like them i mean they conducted themselves pretty well i'm not sure you need the i'm not sure you need the uh the resume i mean i heard i heard the rock say you know if i'm gonna seriously do this i I, you know i've got to i've got to actually run something uh i can't just be in movies and i i thought to myself i'm not sure that matters i'm really doesn't matter anymore trump has smashed that but it's certainly a plus for michelle obama because she doesn't have any attachments and and so that you know that's not going to be a diversion so you might be right there i mean I, i don't know her that well i met her a few times um, I know she was very powerful in the White House, mm-hmm. extremely powerful, mm-hmm. and that was kept very quiet. And and you I might think be right, you might you know this isn't her time. The next time around, she doesn't want to go up against Trump. Um, certainly doesn't want to do that. But in two twenty four, absolutely, she could uh, if she wanted it. I think the Democratic Party would rally around her. Yeah. All right. When when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, Antifa and. 
what is going on in the streets of Portland. More with Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. And don't forget, his new book is out, Killing the SS, which is fantastic. Uh, pick it up and uh, grab my book at the same time. Buy them as a uh, set. I think, I think that's what Amazon is recommending. People who buy this bought this, too. Uh, so grab them because they're both really good. All right. Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe, the number one safe manufacturer in the nation. They have sold more than two million safes, and they've done it for a reason. Liberty Safe leads the industry in technology and innovation, offering the exclusive features like military style locking bars, heat expanding fire seal, which is really important. All, and all of the full-size safes come with a lifetime warranty. And if you happen to have an issue, uh, like a lot of people do, with 1,000-pound weights falling from high distances on top of your safe, you'll want to have a Liberty Safe, uh, as, as they proved on their website. Because you got to go to see this. It's just fun. Yeah. Even if you're not wanting to buy a safe right now, <laughs> yeah. it is just so fun. You just go to LibertySafe.com and just look at their video. They dropped a 1,000-pound concrete block <laughs> from a crane on a competitor safe and on theirs, and it's, it's just it's awesome to watch. Liberty's having their Frankenstein event for the uh, holiday, Liberty's customer favorite, the Franklin Series Plus, you can save on the exclusive Reaper Series safe. So whether you have jewelry, cash, documents, you just want to protect your guns, whatever it is, Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe now is the time to become an or- an owner with their 12-month interest-free financing on approved credit. It's LibertySafe.com. Go there now, LibertySafe.com. I'll play some audio for you um, uh, from Portland. Uh, This is a woman who is standing waiting to cross the street. Um, She is uh, a widow of a New York police officer who lost his life on 9-11. And Antifa is standing behind and they are just, well, listen, here it is. Why are you trying to block me? I'm trying to walk here. I obey traffic signals. You're an anarchy little Bill? Yeah. Um, look, the good news is there aren't many of these people. Um, it's not like Germany where the SA and uh, mm-hmm. Antifa uh, are the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same, same people. The SA were Hitler's uh, street thugs who went out and beat up anybody who opposed Nazism and uh, all that. And they, were, uh, they had little uniforms, little brown shirts. They ran around. And the authorities did the same thing they're doing in Portland, Oregon. Uh, they stepped back and let these SA uh, bully boys uh, beat up innocent people and insult mm-hmm. them like that. Exactly the same. Yeah. No difference. Uh, this happens. And I want everybody to get that. Yeah, this, this happens. I mean, it, it happened with the black shirts as well in Italy. This is. Yeah, the Mussolini's guy. And, yeah, and that's this is what the they do. That's the blueprint. Right. Okay, so here's the story. I used to work in Portland, Oregon. I worked uh, at Channel 2 there. And uh, beautiful place, beautiful state. 
But Multnomah County, where Portland is located, uh, is a far-left hippie place. And it has been that for many, many years, where they are permissive. Uh, they want the uh, farthest left politicians they can get, and they have it. So now you got a guy, Wheeler, the mayor of the town, who runs a police bureau, that's what they call it there, who basically says, I'm not going to enforce the law, not going to do it, and that poor woman uh, is going to be assaulted verbally and not allowed to walk where she wants, and that's okay with me, Mayor Ted Wheeler. That's fine. And I'm going to tell my officers, don't help that woman, don't interfere there, and also, I'm going to let Antifa uh, surround the ICE headquarters, and I'm going to let them do pretty much whatever they want to do, including fighting on the street, using masks over their faces, carrying weapons. They can do whatever they want to do. Now, this is America. You would think the people of Portland, Oregon, would rise up, Right? that they would go out in the Rose City with signs condemning the mayor and Antifa and mass, tens of thousands of them. They gather by the Willamette River with the signs, this is not the city we want. Do you got anybody out there doing that? Mm-hmm. Nobody. So this is the problem. The problem is not Wheeler. The problem is not Antifa. The problem is the people in Portland, Oregon. And that's why I wrote Killing the SS, because I'm saying we better wake up here in America. We better wake up and confront evil. And Antifa is evil. So did I, get my so, point across, yeah, I think you, you think? did. And I've got a lot okay. to ask you about on this. But let All me right. uh, let me start w- with this. <clears throat> why do you suppose that there isn't a, a an uprising uh, in Portland? Are they? Are they blind to it for some reason? Or do they actually support it? Are they afraid to come out? What is the what's the well, real no reason? leadership in the, in the, in Multnomah County. So you, if I were still working in Channel Two, I'd be doing commentaries, going, "Okay, I'm going to be out uh, on the banks of the Willamette River. I'm going to be there at uh, ten in the morning on a Saturday. I want you all come out and support what I'm doing." Okay, nobody's going to do that. There's nobody in town going to do that with any visibility at all. Number two. Um, unfortunately, because there are many, many, many good people in Portland and Multnomah County, and I have friends there, most people are selfish. All right? They're into their own pursuits. They're doing whatever they want to do. And you know what? This is an annoyance, but, yeah, I don't really want to spend time on this. And then maybe they're not like me, and maybe Antifa will hit me, or I'm not going to do it. It's a selfish thing. And it's not just in Portland, Oregon. I mean, we have to really, as a, as a people, we really have to start to rise up and say, hey, you know what? We want due process. We want a presumption of innocence. We don't want thugs on the streets in mass beating people up and telling women that their husband should rot in a grave. We don't want that. Okay, so in Portland, do we have any Democratic? Because it's all Democrats, 100%. Got any politicians there? Got the governor of Oregon doing anything about this? Say anything about it? No. No, no, no. Uh-uh. And that's how far we've come. That's how far we've declined. 
so bill i want to talk to you a little bit more about this and just one thing on and when you say we've got to stand up and fight this i i'd like to hear your uh opinion on on what exactly that means um but also when we come back i want to take you to saudi arabia Things have gotten even more bizarre. Now they're now they're saying that uh, Khashoggi was alive and aware as they were dismembering him. Uh, It is just an amazing story. I'd love to hear your take on it. And also, if you were the president or advising the president, what would you do when we come back? Bill, the frustration is growing in America. The press is excusing uh, Antifa. They are excusing everything that Democrats are saying. Uh, another Democrat up in uh, Minnesota came out over the weekend and said, it's time to bring the guillotines out for the Republicans. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable what is being said and dismissed when there is actual violence on the streets. You um, you said a minute ago, you know, rise up and and fight this. How do you do that and not make things worse? Well, I think you do it peacefully, number one. And I think that uh, various uh, people have to say, you know, let's get a little group together. And um, maybe we go out and, and stand in the park with some signs saying whatever. Or maybe we write a letter to the editor of our local newspaper uh, with 500 signatures attached to it. So the Oregonian, for example, a very left-wing newspaper, you know, you say, okay, we'd like to have um, some space for an op-ed. We have a community group, and this is the way we feel about it. There are things you can do to be visible in your local community. It doesn't have to be a big national thing because that's almost impossible possible. But I'm trying to get people to understand the evil that's growing in America, which is, you know, what killing the SS is really essentially about. And and a lot of people still want to look away at it. They they don't want to engage. And um, if we continue down this road with the press being, as you just pointed out, solidly aligned with the most progressive, the most anarchistic elements in our society. The press sympathizes with all of them. They sympathize with open borders. They sympathize with legalized narcotics. They sympathize with not prosecuting violent crimes. Uh, this, the press and mass is, is, is an agency now that advances socialism and progressive causes. So, so and me... that's the big difference. We didn't have that. What was that a left-wing press? But we didn't have an activist left-wing press, and that's what we have now. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, uh, I beg to differ with you on the on the activist press. If you look at, you know, um, the 1960s, uh, some of them we don't have it. We de- we've never had it like this, but we, we have had it in the uh, in the past. If if somebody stood up, let's say, a, a, you know, some group withstanding in the community uh, stood up and they did a nonviolent you know, protest, a nonviolent march, a march for justice and nonviolence or whatever. Right. Um, And they followed the king um, uh, rules where you just never swing back. Uh, That group most likely is going to be beaten uh, for doing it by Antifa. But in the 1960s, the press played that coverage. I don't think the press plays that coverage this time. No, somebody else will take a, a cell phone video and throw it out, which is what happened and is that an, over the weekend. Is that and, enough? And any group doing that would have to hire security. They'd have to hire people 
to protect them. Um, you can do this. It just takes it takes leadership. It takes organization. But but on the press thing, uh, look. Let's let's segue into Saudi Arabia now because the press is actively trying to go. You saw it on sixty Minutes. Mm-hmm. You saw Leslie Stoll try to do it. Trump into basically dismissing Saudi Arabia. All right. Well, they, they want to not trade with them. They want to crush that nation because the nation is quote unquote bad. Okay. I'm not going to stick up for Saudi Arabia. It is bad. But Saudi Arabia is the bulwark against Iran in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It's the leader of Jordan and Egypt and that movement to blunt Iran's terrorism and destruction of Israel. Saudi Arabia is leading that charge. So why on earth does the American left want to destroy that nation? When in history, we allied ourselves with Stalin, who was killing millions of people while we were allied with him, because we had to defeat Hitler. All right, And you can just give a thousand other examples of countries that we had to do business with that were bad countries for the greater good. But the left-wing press now says to Trump, you're an idiot because you're not destroying Saudi Arabia. You should destroy them and then not trade with them, sanction them, boycott them, all of that. And then you turn around and go, the unintended consequence of that is that the whole alliance against Iran falls apart. And Iran is empowered eight times as much as they are now. And so is the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah, and, and the, and the left-wing press doesn't care. What happened to ISIS? Did, did, have you seen one article from the mainstream media about how the Trump administration destroyed ISIS? No. Have you seen one? No. Under Obama, ISIS ran wild and killed tens of thousands of innocent people for eight years. For eight years. Trump gets in there, and the first year he wipes them out because of Mathis, the defense secretary. And he didn't do it in a very public way. It was all done behind the scenes. But you can get those articles. You can get those stories. All right. Nobody even tried to get them. All right. So, Bill, here's the yeah. here's the problem with with Saudi Arabia, as I see it. You're exactly right. You know, we're in a we're in a no win situation. In fact, I think we're in a lose lose situation here. Standing with people who we've known forever. They do this kind of thing all the time. Yeah. Um, they're bad people. We shouldn't have been in bed with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in the first place. But we were. And now they're, they're um, a strong ally that is one of the only ones that is standing f- uh, up for Israel, at least quietly, fighting the Muslim Brotherhood and fighting Iran. They, we have a lot of aligned interest even though I don't want to be in bed with them. But now, how do you get out? If, if, uh, you can't get out. Well, but wait a minute. Saudi Arabia, this is different because if there is a tape of this guy being dismembered while he was alive, this will set the world on fire. It's different. And then you sanction Saudi Arabia in a way that hurts them but doesn't destroy the kingdom. That's what you have to do. So, um, but look, Trump doesn't have the heart for this. He doesn't want to cancel the arms deals that enrich America. He doesn't want to do it. And the reason that we're, we have a relationship with Saudi Arabia anyway is because they headed OPEC, 
We needed that oil in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s. We don't anymore. But now Silicon Valley takes a lot of their money. Right. So I have, I say, punish them. You know, when, when it comes out, and I believe firmly they did it. I do too. I don't think there's any doubt that they did it. This guy walked into the consulate in Istanbul, the Saudi consulate, and he was butchered or whatever. Okay? They did it. And I believe that Sultan, that guy running the place, he ordered it right to the top. So when that comes out, then Trump has to say, we're going to do this and figure out a way to punish them, um, but not destroy them. That's what has to happen for the good of America. And do you think they'll take that punishment? They've said that if we respond, they have to, to, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like Turkey when they're letting a pastor out. Erdogan's, oh, I'm not going to let him out. Well, he's out. I mean, Saudi Arabia can't exist without the United States. They can't exist without the United States because Iran will go in there and cause so much trouble that the, the place will collapse. And so they need the United States. They can say whatever they want to say. They need us. And they've got to pay a price for this. They absolutely have to pay a price for it. Do you think Turkey has the tape, or is this blustered? How can I possibly know, Beck? Well, I mean, I've been to Turkey uh, three times. All right. Uh, I don't know what tape they have or what channel they watch. I don't know anything what well, they do. I, I, I would think the leading national Thank strategist you, in politics would I, at least have uh, some idea. Some on, clue, I guess, like on it. I mean, I mean, I would think so, too. A person well, who's, I mean, it, in the Saudi uh, consulate is Saudi Arabian territory. The Turks have no access. They did go in, by the way, which is interesting. And they say, yeah, we found some chemical agents of, and then somebody painted something. But let's just wait. But... I don't think anybody listening to us right now should have any doubt that this guy was assassinated by the Saudi government. It's amazing how close this is to Rear Window, uh, the Hitchcock movie. I mean, it's it's really I mean, it's you know, if the Muslim Brotherhood and Giant Swords were involved. Um, uh, Bill, always good to talk to you. The book uh, Killing the SS. Absolutely worth the read. It uh, applies to today, shows real heroes and real, real villains that got away for away with it for quite some time. Yeah, and I want to tell everybody I had back on uh, the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com yesterday for a rollicking 20-minute interview, which we've posted now, so anybody can see it. You don't have to be a premium member to watch it. You were a pretty, ta- you were pretty tame. I thought maybe they were, you no, were asleep I mean, there for a while. You and I, I, I mean, you and I are, are simpatico on most issues now. I, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know, know about happened. that. But I think it's because having me on every week, you, you've now thought about, you know, Bill is really right. No. And no. moderated your position. No. Uh-uh. No, no you I think you came no. my way. I think you stopped saying, oh, Beck, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I think I mean, you're seeing it now. I did point out was that you're looking more and more like Colonel Sanders every day. And I feel and sorry for the colonel because he's being told every day you look more and more like Glenn Beck. And he's like, I'm, I'm <laughs> the, the people, chicken the guy. actually walk up to you and order tubs of chicken. And <laughs> they actually do that? Like they think that they're going to get a tub of chicken away from me? I don't think so. Uh, Bill, good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Right. BillOReilly.com. Sponsor this half hour is Blinds.com. We all have experience with Blinds.com. They changed the look of my master bedroom. I mean, I, I bought this house, and I swear to you, it was like it was like Donald Trump decorated it when I bought it. It was oof, 
it was it was a little a gold or a little over the top a little over the top mm-hmm. and uh, and uh and you know the bedroom is the last thing that at least in my family it's the last thing that gets anything you know it's because nobody goes in there except you know for the family and so you you know you're just like ah we'll spend money on that later uh, I think I gave as my to my wife as maybe our anniversary present or something that I would we would finally redo our our master bedroom and we had a blinds.com help us and it's it's beautiful. It's real just changing the drapes in a room changes everything. They're good at helping you actually figure out what to do too because yeah. I have no eye for that. You do. You have a really good eye. I do, eye but for I can't it, I'm I when it comes to something big like the drapes and stuff, I just I, that's one step that I I just I'm like I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because you can take pictures and send them to them and, they, and they'll actually look at them and help you design. Yeah, here's and here's what we think would look good. Right, and then they'll put the drapes in the picture and you'll yeah. be like, "Okay, that's great." They'll yeah. put the blinds and they'll show you. And when you see it, it's it's totally different. I mean, and it, it really, if you don't have the imagination or the eye to do that, which most people don't, they'll do it. And it's free right now. You can order through October 30th and you'll save up to 40 percent plus an additional 5 percent off site wide with the promo code back. It's blinds.com 40 percent plus an additional 5 percent off site wide at blinds.com promo code back rules and restrictions do apply. So I had forgotten it was yesterday. Whoa, sometimes the days are long. Uh, Yesterday I did an interview with Bill O'Reilly. You can find it at BillOReilly.com, and it is free. You don't have to go behind the paywall, but you can always support Bill uh, and go behind the uh, paywall. Also, uh, I believe I'm on with Dave Rubin today uh, on the Rubin Report. Um, He was in town, so we recorded something here uh, for his program, and... Uh, we we kind of hit a little bit of all of it. Uh, so uh, join me on the Rubin Report today with Dave Rubin, also on uh, Bill O'Reilly's uh, program. And Stu is going to be on the couch, I think. I'm, I'm not really sure what you bring to the table, man. I'm slaving. I'm working my brains out. Yeah, you, you definitely seem like uh, you're doing that. Yeah. You're showing the signs of it. Let's put it Am that I, way. The, that my brains you are working. You look as if out. you're working about six times more hours that there than there are in the day, which is uh, yeah. What I'm saying is your appearance is, is a negative. Yeah, it's I know. Showing Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate. Weathered is the yes. Yeah, Thank you. No. I appreciate that. Oh, okay. By so the way, I want to thank everybody who has supported the Blaze um, and supported us, especially over the last few years. I mean, it's it's been a rough few years. Uh, and um, our subscriptions are up and our our, uh, you know, visits to the website, you know, back over a million, uh, you know, a day, which is fantastic. Uh, and we're just we're thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to our podcast. Thank you for finding the Blaze News on Apple News. Uh, we're making a big impact now on Apple News, which is really fantastic. Uh, so we thank you for for sticking with us and uh, just stick around because we have some really good things uh, coming your way. And uh, an announcement, well, I was supposed to make it this week and it keeps getting delayed. And so it may, it may have to be next week. So I'm not going to be here tomorrow or the next. Uh, Glenn has purchased the Cleveland Browns and yes. we'll be running that franchise from now on. Yes. So, uh, so hopefully you're excited for that uh, yeah. in Cleveland. Yeah. He knows doesn't know anything about sports, but no, no, I'm not even sure if that's baseball or football, mm-hmm. but. 
Could be basketball. Well, your big issue with them was you wanted to change their brown costumes. Yeah, I don't like their brown costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the things. I think that's, you know, why they're, you know, either really good or really bad. I'm not sure. Right. But they, mm-hmm. they have to, but they have to have the costumes changed because they're not. That's not good. You're a bit of a fashionista. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but I'm also very into Ohio sports, you know, the uh, the, 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 the Cavs. The Cavs. I mm-hmm. thought that was a really stupid uh, name because, I mean, why a baby cow? I mean, mm-hmm. who's afraid of a baby cow? That's not that's they're not fast. They 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 have hooves. They can't. Have you considered but maybe it's the muscles on the on the back of your leg? Not that you have. Oh, I never them, thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be better. But what is stupid? I mean, what is your what is your you well, know? jump? There's a lot of jumping in basketball. Yeah, no, but what mm-hmm. you know, what's the mascot look like? The, the back, back of, of a leg. leg. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I would go right, with. Really. <laughs> I don't know. There's another <laughs> direction really, per se. Yeah, that would be really kind of weird. How, how do you feel about the Indians? Are you offended by No, their... I love the Indians. I love the Indians. Mm-hmm. I think actually we should start a team of some sort and we should come up with a Native American name ourselves. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know. People seem to be going the other way. They're, they're all deleting yeah, their and Indian Yeah, I think names. it's about time that we go the other way. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time. I kind of had enough of it. So, you know, if you have a, if you have a name uh, for something, you know, that we you know, start a baseball team or, you know, something, you know, <laughs> just in, inside the blaze, we, that'd be cool. You can send us the, uh, the team name and the mascot, and uh, we'll get together and have a powwow about it and uh, see what we can do. Glenn. Beck. It's Wednesday, October 17th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So we have uh, Ephraim Matos in with us. And Ephraim was with us a couple months ago, I yes. think. Um, and he has put out a new book called City of Death, Humanitarian Warriors in the Battle of Mosul. Yes. Uh, welcome. Glad you're Thank here. You. Thank you for having me back on. You bet. So tell me a little bit about the battle and recap where we've been uh, together before uh, with this book. So tell the story. Okay. So last time I was on, we talked about the, we talked about the book and we talked about the Nazarene Fund. Um, so the book is about a, a, a journey I basically went on last year, a uh, humanitarian work I did in, uh, in, in northern Iraq to help um, with the fight against ISIS. So as a former SEAL, it was a natural fit for me to go and um, and help. And now I originally thought I was just going to be doing, you know, the, the standard humanitarian thing of handing out water bottles, doing a little bit of yeah. medical aid. Well, when I got in there, um, the team I was with, um, a group called the Free Burma Rangers, we we ended up embedding with the Iraqi army and um, basically becoming their frontline medical support because they just don't have the resources to to do that themselves. And so I was not a medic; I was a I was a sniper. And, but I had pretty good medical training from my time as a SEAL. And so we actually ended up being involved in the direct assault into Mosul, um, to open up the, um, to open up the Western front in Mosul and finally collapse, uh, the caliphate in, in Mosul. And we were in the city for about 30 days from, from the day that we entered the city to the day that I ended up getting shot on a rescue mission. I was, it was exactly 30 days. And what happened in, in Mosul was just, it was something I, I thought I would never see in my lifetime. You, you see evil. You see pictures of World War II. You see killing fields. You, you see these black and white photos, and you think, I'll never see something like that. You know, there's a certain amount of denial that you have. Well, I saw it, and it was real. And so in City of Death, I talk about my experience of going in there and sort of being caught off guard um, with the amount of violence and 
the fighting that was happening, but more importantly, the acts of heroism on on the on on the on the side of the Iraqi army and of the other guys I was with. It was it was amazing um, to see these guys laying down their lives for others. Give us an example of of you know that black and white film and then the heroism around it. So yeah, you look at you look at old World War II photos, right? You got these Mm -hmm. black and white pictures of killing fields. Well, on June second of last year. It was early morning, and we saw a fresh killing field. We were literally at the very, very front edge of the Iraqi army advance, and we looked out into this into this what it used to have been a uh, like a six lane highway through the city. This it was completely rubbled and mortar holes, and it was mm-hmm. completely rubbled. But we started seeing bodies. We started seeing bodies of dead kids, elderly people. There was a man in a wheelchair slumped over; he'd been executed, and we started seeing dozens and dozens of bodies. And so in City of Death, I talk about how we got up there, we saw what was happening, but as bad as it was, we saw people still alive in the bodies. There were, there were children walking around and unwounded and they were in shock and they'd been out there for about 36 hours at this point and their dead relatives are everywhere and they're, they're going around from body to body trying to find, trying to find water, trying to find food. And so we saw four kids alive and two wounded men slumped up against a wall in a pile of about 20 bodies. The most grotesque, terrible thing you can why imagine. Why did they do this? Why, why were all these people executed at the end? These people were executed because they were leaving the caliphate. These were people who had, been, who had endured more than likely the full three years of the ISIS occupation in Mosul, and they were done. They wanted to leave. They wanted to get out of there because as the noose was tightening around the neck of ISIS— you know, supplies and food and water were becoming more and more scarce. And so ISIS was stealing all that from the civilians. And so living behind the ISIS wall um, in Mosul was absolute hell for these people. So they tried to break free and run away. And so when these people ran away as, as a large group, ISIS massacred. I think that day there was more than 150 people just slaughtered in the street because they went right by the ISIS headquarters. How, how did, um, did, did the ISIS people i've heard that they've kind of gone back in they've they've just kind of morphed back into a lot of society is that true we we did come across a lot of guys trying to blend in with society and, and kind of get out of there um and that has happened so isis is definitely having a bit of a resurgence in in iraq right now so they went underground you know and, and it's it was neighbors and just people who who've all lived together right so these guys blend in they, they're from the city of mosul isis that's where these guys are from and so they were able to blend back into society, a lot of them. And so now we're seeing a bit of a resurgence. However, the guys that we were seeing toward the end of the fight in Mosul, a lot of these guys were actually white European guys, a lot of, a lot of Chechens and things like that. Hmm. And the reason for that is because they, they have no choice but to fight and die. They can't assimilate back into society. They can't run away because they, you know, they look like me. They're white guys, red beards, mm-hmm. and they can't, they can't get away. So... Those guys had to fight it out all the way to the end, and they know they're going to die, and they they just didn't care. And so, yeah. So you went from that um, to uh, saying, I, I've got to do, I've got to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought you to Burma, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And now you're working with the Nazarene Fund yes. in Burma. Yes. And last we talked, you were the only one 
in Burma, and you started telling us about what was really happening. Mm -hmm. And you have an update for us. Yes, absolutely. So uh, also to clarify, I'm not the only one working in Burma. I'm the only one from the Nazarene Fund working in Burma. You you were telling me that you were trying to organize a bunch of people. Yes. And you were going to bring them all together. Absolutely. And I I just got back from a trip about a week and a half ago. Uh, and I met with a lot of the tribal leaders and the um, the guys who run uh, stuff across the border, and they they are more than they they are beyond ecstatic to have the Nazarene funds help. Okay, now this is a group of Christians. Yes, about fifty percent Christian, about fifty percent uh, Buddhist. Okay, um, all the leaders of the it's called the Karen tribe, um, and they are all, all of their leaders. About ninety percent of their leaders are Christian. So every time every time I meet with them, they we pray. At yeah. the beginning and at the end, and yeah. it's 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 a really really good thing. Um, and so I met with these guys and I explained to them like what we can do. And I'd already been working in there. I'd already done several trips with the Nazarene Fund in there, and they are beyond ec- ecstatic to have us because when I was there, literally while I was there, the Burma Army just moved in 350 more troops to attack their positions to attack the um, civilians in Karen State. So we just saw what happened last year with the Rohingya. And then the, the Burma army moved all of those same troops up to the north to attack the Kachin, another ethnic group. And so now they're starting to bring troops down to attack the Karen. And that's where we're there on the ground helping keep people alive. So why, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this to these tribes? It's, 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 a, it's an ethnic thing. It's a racist thing is, is essentially what it is. It goes back a thousand years of the ethnic Burmans who control the Irrawaddy Valley sort of in the center of Burma. They want to control all the highlands. They want to control the entire region. And so if you're a different ethnicity, you can they'll, they'll let you live there, but you have to be sort of a subject uh, serf class. You have to basically serve the Burmans. And also, the, for example, like the Karen, they live, in these, they live in the hills, and the Karen hills are full of natural resources. So there's a lot of that going on. Plus, they don't like you because you're Christian, right? That, adds, that just adds a whole, whole other level of hatred um, because you know, Christians don't put up with being, with being oppressed. They don't put up with it because where the spirit of the Lord is, mm-hmm. there is liberty. Right. And these, and so because of that, the Burma army attacks them even more. Tell me what you brought me. So I brought, I brought with me several photos. Do we have somebody, um, or is Marissa just passed there? I apologize. That's Thank okay. You. So I brought with me several photos of of what I see all the time when I go to these places. <clears throat> and these are I brought I brought with me photos <clears throat> sorry of of one particular um attack that happened. Um this is actually only from this is from 2010, right? So it seems like a long time ago, but this is these are the only photos that they were able to get out to me. I was asking these guys like, "Hey, I need photos of what's happening and what's going on." And in these photos, you see dead civilians you see kids dead a baby and these are not accidental collateral damage these are intentional executions of these people these are some of these are kids that's a that's a baby baby that's a baby intentionally killed and that baby didn't die right away it survived for about 24 hours and then died and this just looks like it's in the woods yeah, they're out in the jungle. These people have nothing, and the Burma Army still wants to attack them and take more from them. And so every time I go there, every time the Nazarene Fund shows up, we're stopping that from happening. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Back in back in May, I was there, 
and I can't I can't divulge exactly what we were exactly the our, yeah. for security operations exactly what was happening. Suffice it to say, we saved a lot of people's lives. And a villager who had been pushed out of his home by the Burma Army, him and his family had fled the Burma Army, and they and they had built they built a uh, a new hut out in the out in the jungle in the middle of nowhere. Um, he he heard that the Nazarene Fund was there, and he came and found me, and he said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna I wanna thank you." please come to my house for dinner tonight. So they get me on a motorcycle and I drive to this man's house in the middle of nowhere. When I get in there, his wife is cooking pig fat for me to eat because that's, they have pig fat and rice and bam and bamboo leaves. And so we're sitting there and he's like, Hey, I, I want, I was like, I wish I had more to give you. He's like, this is all I have for a snack. And he pulls out a bag and it's literally tree bark. It's bark from a tree. And he's like, this is all we have to snack on while my wife prepares food. And he gave me, tree bark to eat and i'm sitting there chewing on tree bark with this guy and he has nothing he has literally nothing and he wanted to give me tree bark because that was the best that he had and so i'm sitting there chewing on tree bark with this man and i was just i was so overcome i was just like i his gratitude the level of gratitude he showed for us for the for the nazarene fund being there it was it was unbelievable it was so touching and then later on as i was leaving as i was leaving the jungle Another man barely speaks any English. Um, he's um, I'm on a motorcycle and he's driving me out of the jungle. And he turn he, as he's driving, he turns to me. He says, "Thank you." And I said, "Oh, like oh, good English." Uh, what I'm trying to pimp him and talk more about mm-hmm. um, 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 about what what it, use more English. And so I was like, "Oh, like what what do you what are you grateful for?" Or what, what, you know. Yeah. And he's like, he said, "This is amazing." He said, "Thank you for giving my people hope." That's what he says to me. This kid who's maybe 19 years old. They know nothing but slaughter and massacre and these and these terrible things, but we're there to bring help and we're there to bring help. And it's it's an honor to be there. It's an honor to represent the Nazarene Fund. It's an honor to do what I do. Every time we go out, we save people's lives and it's 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 an incredible thing and we keep things like like those photos that you're looking at. You can't even show them. We keep that. We and keep I'm things so like that from happening. Torn on. It doesn't become real to people until they see it, and mm-hmm. then you don't want to show it because it's, it's awful. It's awful. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know what to do with them. I, 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 I think. I think. I'm not sure, but I think we have them on the NazareneFund.org. If people want to go over there and see firsthand like what's happening I, I believe they're up there if they're not i'll make sure that they get on there today they're over there yeah don't go for um you know if you if you um i mean it's a, it's their children and a baby and it's not pretty um but if you uh if it will help you wake up to what's happening if it will help you wake someone else up then um please go but we would sure we would sure appreciate your help um the nazarene mm-hmm. fund has turned into this global thing that is just remarkable um mm-hmm. and uh countries all around the world now know its name as uh as a as as a beacon of hope and indeed we are thrilled yes that you're part of it Thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me be a part of it. It's yeah. uh, it's it's an incredible honor to 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 do what I do. 
the, your your book is uh, well worth the read if you if you want to know and and be put into it, but put into it for a good reason. I mean, here's a guy who you know was a Navy SEAL and says I can do more. Uh, it's called the City of Death, and it's available uh, everywhere now. Thank you so much. Thank you, Con. God bless. <laughs> There's some things you just can't uh, unsee. Uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is uh, LifeLock. Uh, LifeLock. I, you know, I, I could not sleep last night, so I started a book. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I started this book, and it's about cybersecurity. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, dear God. It, what is, what's happening now, just what's happening now is so remarkable uh, that you don't even have to you don't even have to think well what's coming next what's happening now is crazy um, it's called future crimes everything is connected everyone is vulnerable and what you can do about it by Mark Goodman holy cow to make your hair fall out um, cybercrime is the future and everything is connected and one weak link and you're toast now, there's LifeLock out there, LifeLock Identity Theft Protection, but they have added the power now of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats that, you know, you know, on your identity and also on your devices that you can't see or fix on your own. Nobody can stop all cyber threat, prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But now LifeLock with Norton Security will see the threats that you might miss on your own. So go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. You get an extra 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card with your annual enrollment. It's promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Terms and conditions do apply. hard to believe that um this stuff is going on today in the world that we're living in did you see what uh china said uh yesterday they came out about the uh the Uyghurs and the concentration camps that they're i'm sorry the the uh vocational schools yeah. that they're building it helps make life more colorful yeah mm-hmm. that's what they actually said we're just trying to help make life more colorful they've got a million people already behind these gates razor wire fences they are concentration camps that's what they are um and you're scooped up off the street in in china and you're put behind these walls and you're re-educated uh and uh it's frightening frightening what is happening and the world is not standing up and and more importantly i mean just look up i just looked up at cnn Trump says he's not to blame if GOP loses. I don't Who cares? I mean, CNN, can you just get over it for 10 seconds? Is there nothing else important going on in the world? They're not the only ones guilty of this, but there is CNN in particular. It treats like Donald Trump, like almost the reverse of a teenager in a boy band. It's like the obsession level is is incredibly high now they're of course looking at it as a negative instead of a positive but like they just are obsessed with this person yeah 
I mean, it's, it's seemingly they're, it's they're, like, it's all, all their that thoughts matters. are dominated by him. Yeah, it's we, all that matters. The whole thing about living rent free inside someone else's head, I mean, is so on display with CNN right now. They can't talk about anything else, even when they're talking about other things. Saudi Arabia, back to Trump, Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia, he's in trouble. You know, does Trump have ties to Saudi Arabia? He's talked about his ties to Saudi Arabia. God, they, they cut somebody up alive, alive. They butchered him alive. Cut him up and put him in a suitcase. And you're looking for a way, an angle to get Trump? What is wrong with you people? What's wrong with you? It's like legitimately like a sickness for some of them. It's not It's not everybody not on them. CNN. But I mean, it is. It's As a network, as a whole, they can't figure out a way to discuss any other topic. It is really incredible. I mean, he really does dominate their lives. Every aspect, uh, at least is, at least their public life. I don't know. Maybe they go home and don't talk about it. I don't know. But when they're on TV, they're talking about it all the time. It's like there's got to be something else interesting in the world. There's got to be. Well, just look at the headline of Fox. They're talking about Elizabeth Warren and, you know, her Cherokee heritage. Really? I mean, I, <laughs> really? I, again, like all of these stories, like the Elizabeth Warren thing is, is interesting because she's going to be running for president. It's a day or two story. Um, I think it's at this point I'm I'm done with it. But it was interesting to see her. I mean, a real flop here. But we're talking about one of the all time political flops. Yes, she's tried. She tried it's to come out and get ahead of this. Story. It, yeah. Again, it is a it's a, an important political story for somebody who is going to run for president. Yeah. But really, with Saudi Arabia going on right now with that and what that possibly means, shouldn't we take a pause and look at some of the stock market? Anybody know why? Yes. Anybody talking about that? Why is it down? Welcome to the program. So glad that you are here. Um, We're going on tour here soon, and we would love to see you. Grab your tickets now at glenbeck.com tour. We're coming to a theater near you. It's Richmond, Hershey, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Kansas City, uh, Tulsa, Tampa, Orlando, and other cities around you. Make sure that you grab your tickets. Uh, You can do it at glenbeck.com slash tour. Uh, We're going to see if you can spend as much as a democratic socialist it's a game show that i don't think you can win uh, no I don't you know think you we can all win. lose in the end in that yeah, game yeah, uh, which do. is the sad part uh, but sometimes though democrats can be very positive for republicans sometimes democratic candidates are big wins for republicans really and we're seeing a case of this here it appears in texas where beto o'rourke or robert francis o'rourke <sighs> you know as his parents wanted him to be known um is going or against Bob, Ted as Cruz. he used to call himself, call himself right when it was cool when it was beneficial to be called Bob. He called himself Bob. Yeah. Now he calls himself Beto. Right. So Beto is running here in Texas, and if you don't haven't haven't seen this, you haven't been watching uh, any national media as far as and not just politics. I'm talking outside of that. Ellen and Colbert. He's and he's everywhere. everywhere. Got a CNN town hall coming up tonight. Just him. Um, again. It's bizarre. The reason why it's helpful for uh, Republicans is Beto O'Rourke has drained the Democratic donor base out of $38 million. And and that could have gone to close races. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it all Mm -hmm. seems like Cruz is winning here and Mm -hmm. winning by a significant margin. Though we don't, obviously, we still have a few weeks to go. We know this could change. But 
Well, they could produce the pictures of his father actually pulling the trigger on JFK. And that may need to be, yeah, you actually we, may need that. Yeah. Uh, we, well, they might have it. You never know. <laughs> they might. Um, they're talking now about uh, a 50 to 43 margin is the, uh, so seven point, or excuse me, 50 to 45 is the, uh, is the margin now with Cruz leading by seven uh, points. This is from, by the way, the, the same company that is hosting the town hall with Beto tonight, CNN, as their poll, 52-45. I think he wins by 12 and maybe as high as 18. I mean, that would be a real surprise. Uh, no, it would be. But, you know, that's 18, what, yeah, I mean, it's what really what happened last time Ted Cruz ran. I mean, the polls are, are hard in Texas. I... I don't necessarily believe uh, believe the polls here in Texas. You know, it'd be great if he won if he won by three. But I, I just think that there is is something that uh, you know when you get when you get right down to it, Texans are going to say, "Yeah, I don't know, Ted, Ted Cruz, please." I tend to think he's going to win as well. I don't know about eighteen. Um, you know, maybe I think. I think 10 is possible, though. I mean, a mm-hmm. 9 or 10 is definitely possible. Um, interesting in this poll, first of all, what you see is Greg Abbott, who's running for uh, governor here in Love Texas, him. is winning by a much larger margin. Uh, usually, it's around, I don't have the one right in front of me, but it's, it's over 20 points. Yeah, I, never, uh, I don't even think I've seen a sign for oh, him. Here it is. Yeah, I know. No one cares. <laughs> He's, like, yeah. He's winning by so much. He's up by eight, 18 points here. So Cruz is up by 7 in the same poll where Abbott is up by 18. And what's interesting about comparing the results in the same poll is... It's the same people. The same people were asked the questions. And so you kind of get a sense of where people are splitting up. For example, much more people are are voting for uh, Greg Abbott than are voting for Ted Cruz out of the exact same base. The other thing that's interesting about it is the um, – you think of I – mean, it's bright red country, right, mm-hmm. in Texas. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the poll shows that 50% of adults disapprove of Donald Trump's um, job performance and only 41% approve. That gets closer among likely voters where it's uh, 49, 48. But still, it's surprising. I would think that that would be more in the positive in a state like Texas. Look at it this way. Try this on for size. Uh, uh, Donald Trump is everywhere. And he is either blamed or excused for everything. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's dominating your life. Just like Barack Obama was dominating everybody's life. Um, and Donald Trump has a really good side and a really bad side. And it depends on what day you're like, you, you know, if you support Donald Trump, you, some days you're like, yeah. Other days you're like, oh, look, can we not talk about today? And I don't want to talk about the tweet, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's such a big figure in everybody's life. Ted Cruz was a very big picture or a big, big force in everybody's life two years ago. But he's just kind of fallen off the map and he's just doing a good job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Abbott is just doing a good job and nobody's talking about him. Nobody's talking about him because the state's running great. Everything's going really well. He's a great governor. He's not controversial. So I think the poll numbers are just how much has this person impacted my life in a kind of in a bad way of oh got to deal with this again today i got to talk about this again yeah you get you get closer you, know, you get to fatigue right yeah I mean, I, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not a bad thing about any of them it's just like oh i'm so tired of this mm-hmm. i'm tired you know it's like you closer you get to washington greg abbott is here ted cruz is in washington but you know really the epicenter now and with the last president is the white house and so the closer you get the more you're like oh enough
Yeah, I, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, it's nice to see. I think you know, especially if Cruz's holds onto this race, which it seems like he will at the moment. Uh, it's going to help a lot of other candidates in really close races. There are six toss-up races right now. Uh, Arizona, Florida, Indiana, Missouri, Montana, and Nevada. All of them are are very tight. Um, you know, the fact that this $38 million is not flowing into a race in that group is a real positive for Republicans. I, Democrats are very excited about Beto, but I mean, his chances of winning are very low. And they've just thrown money at a candidate who has essentially, I mean, a very small chance of winning. I wouldn't say it's no chance, but a very small chance of winning. And, you know, that's only benefiting Republican chances of, of keeping the Senate. But they are, here's what's happening. They've made him into a national figure. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already, by putting him on Ellen, why Why is he on Ellen? I don't know. What has he done? Wait, I mean, well, yeah. like I done? He's, he's like responsible for absolutely nothing. Right. He's not, he's not some like up and coming outsider. Right. Like he's a guy who's been in Congress for a long time. Uh, He has been in politics for a very long time. His whole life has basically been politics outside of his early band years. I swear it's just because they think he's good looking. They think he's good looking and and he can give a good speech. Yeah, I think he's I think it's it's the Barack Obama syndrome of 2004. What has this guy done? Well, he gave a good speech in 2004. Well, he should be president. What has this guy done? Well, he's been on Ellen. I mean, it's it's. It's not just that he's good looking. I think that there is a part of the Democratic Party that does not want to go the Democratic Socialism, anti-capitalist sort of way. And Beto doesn't look like that. He doesn't guy. look like his policies. His policies are the are. same as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Correct. I mean, they went, went through them in the debate yeah. clips last night. Um, should we play some of these? Yes. Um, yeah, go ahead. First of all, let's start with uh, his, uh, Beto's opening. And you may know uh, Beto is a uh, he's a Hispanic. No, he's uh, deep no. Hispanic. Roots. No, his name is Robert um, actually Francis. Moved here from uh, Central America. No, uh, very recently he's Irish, and he uh, and he came out and made sure you knew how Hispanic he was. In he's his less Hispanic than War than Elizabeth Warren is Cherokee. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Here's uh, here's uh, Beto's open. First, Jason, let me thank you and Sarah for moderating tonight's debate. Ken's five for hosting us, the people of San Antonio for being here, and the people of Texas for watching this and participating in one of the most important decisions mm. of our lifetimes. Es un honor estar aquí con ustedes otra vez aquí uh-huh. in, in San Antonio. Yes, see, powerful. See how Hispanic he is? He can't even stop himself from speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. He was trying to speak in English that entire time and just slipped into it because it's so natural for him coming from his deep Hispanic roots. And that's something I want you to make sure you understand. Unlike this old white guy, uh, he's Ted not, Cruz. No, he's not white. Uh, who is basic. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Ted Cruz, this old uh, white guy who's, I think, two a year and a half to two years older. Mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. uh, Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. or Robert Francis O'Rourke as, and uh, as he's not white we'll call him. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway so uh, this is it was interesting to watch this because you know it's like as you kind of pointed out you know, Cruz runs for president he doesn't win uh, and he's been you know you don't hear from him as often as you did and but he's been doing a great job he's been, his voting record is very solid I think mm-hmm. you know anybody whether you like Trump or you and don't like Trump you're going to like the stuff he, he votes for the stuff he's doing behind the scenes with the judiciary and I don't mean just the Supreme Court I mean the uh, the uh, the federal courts is remarkable and will 
changed the course of court decisions for a very long time. Yeah, he's been very involved. In very that. involved in um, that. However, Beto, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I get the idea that maybe he's uh, younger and good looking and can speak coherently. I think mm-hmm. that's the only thing you can is attractive to him. A lot of neck muscles. Yeah, a lot of neck muscles. Very shiny mm-hmm. as well. Very okay. shiny. Yeah. But he um, talked about about Cruz and his motivations. Remember, this is a guy who's brought in the only story about Beto O'Rourke of any note is he's raised a lot of money. That is his entire, the, the entire reason anyone would ever discuss him because he has raised a fortune. But of course, he goes after Cruz over money. Listen. Speaking of balance and budgets, um, only one of us has with good friends in El Paso started a small business, mm-hmm. uh, met that payroll every week, balanced the books, made sure that we delivered for our clients. Only one of us has served at the local government level every single year, balancing the budget, seeing each other not as Republicans and Democrats, but as council members entrusted with a fiduciary responsibility to deliver for the taxpayers of El Paso. Every mm-hmm. single year we did. And for Senator Cruz to say that this isn't going to bust the budget at a time of $21 trillion in debt when we're on track to deficit spend to the tune of a trillion dollars a year, he voted to add $2 trillion. And those tax cuts disproportionately will flow to corporations who are already sitting on record piles of cash and the already wealthy in a country that is riven with income inequality unseen since Mm. the last Gilded Age. Mm. Why? In the days just before and just after that vote, Senator Cruz accepted $120,000 from the political action committees who represent the corporate interests that benefited from this tax cut. That's just Why does thing. he vote for this? Why does he vote for internet companies to sell your private browsing data to the highest bidder without oh your consent? Why does he not vote for universal background checks in a country that loses 30,000 people to gun violence every year? Follow the money. In each of these cases, Mm. if you look at the political action committee contributions to Senator Cruz, it helps to explain the reasons for his vote and how corrupted Congress has become. Now, again, unbelievable. $120,000. Really, is Ted Cruz changing an opinion over $120,000? It's ridiculous. If Cruz dropped out of the Senate right now, he'd get a lobbying job at some firm and make millions without even thinking about it. He was, I mean, you know, he's highly educated. His wife worked at Goldman Sachs, if we remember. This is not a, this is not a money issue uh, for Cruz. Uh, Beyond that, of course, Beto O'Rourke has accepted, uh, has had many ads run on his behalf. He's you know, from from PACs and super PACs. And he's got that little, uh, you know, that little line of, well, you know, I'm not telling them to do it. So therefore, I'm not responsible for mm-hmm. it. But again, he's raised $38 million. He's complaining about a $120,000 donation to Cruz that makes him change his opinion. What does $38 million do? What does that make you change? I'll tell you what it does. I think $38 million uh, for some uh, makes you into a national candidate for another race, not this one. Mm -hmm. For others who have given part of that $38 million uh, in large uh, chunks, that just pisses them off because I want results. I want results. I gave, you told me that this guy had a chance this guy was going to do it. I saw him everywhere, and you still got beaten. Uh, and uh, beaten by how much? It wasn't even close. Where's my money? Where's my money? And I, you know, I think that's how people would react to that. But I, they- I know people on the Democratic side who have given money who are absolutely that. They have given and given and given, and they're like, you know, I have to tell you, 
you're you're off the deep end with crazy radicals and you're putting up people who do you have who do you have this guy this guy he didn't win Mm. i I think that there are some that have given a lot of money that are going to be a little pissed when uh when robert francis o'rourke uh has to go back on the you know the night shift of walking the walking the beat like all the other cops in his family We uh, want to give you an update on Mercury One, and uh, we want to thank you for your help in supporting uh, Mercury One and our uh, our relief that is going on now for Hurricane Michael. Uh, just today, Operation Barbecue uh, is uh, going to serve uh, 53,000 meals. That is... They go through, you know, those big, huge cans of, uh, you know, the number 10 cans, giant cans of, uh, of uh, vegetables. Mm-hmm. They go through an entire 18-wheeler tractor trailer full every three days. That's amazing. And they're at every one of these things. Yeah. Every time something goes wrong yeah. in this country, they're there. It's we pretty the, incredible. So, you know, that tractor trailer costs us $21,000 per tractor trailer. So every three days... We have ju- just for vegetables. That's not even the meat and the potatoes or anything else. That's just the vegetables. Every three days, we need twenty-one thousand um, dollars, and uh, so we we really need your help. Please make a donation um, today. Operation um, Operation Blessing is out. The Lighthouse Church in Panama City loading six tractor trailers uh, to distribute the supplies in the hardest hit areas. Yesterday, they were out with 150 volunteers and we are proud to support them all of the donations go directly to the source that needs it it is mercuryone.org please donate now five bucks makes a difference mercury